I hear myself tell this story and I'm like, surely I'm talking about somebody else. Like this is not my life or my story or my kids' experience. I'm at my desk in my bedroom looking at a picture of Brian right now. Like that was four years ago, but it still feels like he's my husband and he's here. And surely all those experiences that I went through were like a dream or not, not part of my actual story. Danielle, welcome to the Birth Journeys podcast. It is my belief that our birth journey has a lasting impact that goes far beyond delivery. It is my hope that through these stories, you would find the insight, tools, and the courage to go on and have your own positive and empowering birth journey. Just as a reminder, any information you hear on this podcast is meant to inform and encourage you on your birth journey and not intended to replace advice from your medical professional. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Birth Journeys podcast. Today we have Ashley on, and I can't wait to hear her stories. Hey, Ashley, thank you for coming on, and I can't wait to hear what you have to share. Yeah, good morning. Thank you for having me on here today. Um, I'd love to start out by um, you just telling a little bit about yourself. Sure. So my name is Ashley Buggy. Um, I live in the Pacific Northwest with my three kids. Um, and my birth story, which we'll get into, is pretty heavy and complicated, um, as most probably are. But mine includes um, becoming a military widow, um, a polar explorer, and now a full-time author. And I do all of that while raising my three kids by myself. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So where would you like to say that your birth journey begins? What does that look like for you in your life? Yeah, my birth journey um, honestly began with me never wanting kids. <laughs> I <laughs> I spent my 20s traveling the world by myself. I worked um, at a bank and had a lot of expendable income and a lot of free time, a lot of paid vacation, and just really enjoyed my 20s as they were intended to be enjoyed. Just traveling, meeting people, um, living just this really fun, independent life, and I was you know, in the back of my head, like, why would anybody give this up to have kids? Like, <laughs> why would anybody want to have kids? You know, all my friends were settling down and getting married. And I loved their kids, like going to their house and getting to play with, you know, I call them my nieces and nephews and my godbabies and loved that time, but just loved then going home and planning my next exotic destination that I was going to get to go on and they weren't. And um, yeah, I was never on the mom track really ever mm. <laughs> until I was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So where did that actually begin for you? That began, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, my, I re-met my husband, uh, his name's Brian and we dated in, um, early 2000s, which seems like forever ago. And even when I say it, mm -hmm. like that was 20 years ago. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we dated, I was 18. He was 19. Uh, we dated for a summer. He was the singer of this like punk metal band. And I just thought he was the coolest guy ever. Um, and we dated as, as kids and 
just had this like really fun, romantic, sweet summer together. Um, and then at the end of the summer, he kind of switched his tone and was like, Hey, you know, we could get married. I, I want to join the coast guard and we could go live at the coast. Um, we could live at any coast and we could have babies and we could get married and we could live this really fun life together. And, that was just kind of not in my plan. And so that really kind of spooked me, honestly. And mm-hmm. um, I kind of switched gears at that point of we are not on the same path here. Um, I don't think I want to be married. I de- certainly don't want to have babies. Um, I, you know, I, I want to finish school and I want to travel and I want to move and I want to explore and I won't be able to do any of that um, as I thought as a wife or a mom. And so we split up and went our separate ways for 10 years. And in that 10 years, he, he ended up joining the Navy, not the Coast Guard. Um, <clears throat> he ended up joining the Navy and, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> Ooh, excuse me, mm-hmm. and traveling, um, doing his own thing. And I ended up spending my 20s, like I had just said, traveling the world and meeting people and, um, going through school and just living our own separate lives. And we eventually came back together um, through mutual friends and social media. And our first phone call that we had, um, I was like, oh, no, I I actually like really want to marry this guy. I want to have his babies. (laughs) I want that life that he talked about 10 years ago. I didn't want it when I was 18, but I want it now. And um yeah that kind of began the snowball to what is now the birth story (laughs) Mm, I love that that's such a cool story yeah so how long after you were married did you end up getting pregnant well funny story um we didn't know it but I was actually like four days pregnant when we got married (laughs) (laughs) we my grandma passed away in October 2013 And we flew to San Francisco for her funeral. And while we were in San Francisco, we both said, you know, we want to have babies together. Let's just, let's just start practicing to make babies and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And um, so at her funeral, basically, we decided like we were going to not, not try to have babies. And the very next month, he proposed um, November 11th out when we were out sailing on our boat. And we were married um, about five days. No, not five days later. We were married about a week and a half later um, wow. because he was getting ready to go on a deployment. And then um, he left on a deployment. And I want to say it was within like three days um, of him leaving. I tested positive for being pregnant. So I had wow. technically been pregnant at our wedding. We just wouldn't have known it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what was that like finding out you were pregnant when he was gone? Like how long was his deployment for? Yeah, he came back and I was six months pregnant. Okay. Yeah, it was to... wild. I was, yeah. Um, yeah, he, he was in the Middle East. Um, he worked on submarines. So he traveled, you know, all the time uh, underwater and we'd, we would go weeks and sometimes months without literally any form of communication. Um, But he left on that deployment. And thankfully, his submarine was delayed by one day. So I found out I was pregnant. 
I texted him. Um, it was like the middle of the night where he was at. And I was like, FaceTime me as soon as you wake up. I'm sure he thought something bad had happened. And mm-hmm. he FaceTimed me, you know, a few hours later. And from the Middle East, you know, he woke up middle of the night. And I'm like, have my phone trained on a pregnancy test. And he was like, what, what is that? What is that? <laughs> and yeah, then mm. we spent the next six months apart. The first six months of our pregnancy um, mm. were spent apart with, you know, very little communication even because he was on the submarine and he came home from that deployment uh, to me with a big old belly and mm. just happy as could be. It was Aww. really special. Yeah. So what kind of care did you choose for your pregnancy? Um, well, we are military, so we had the choice, thankfully, of either being seen on a base or paying to be seen out in town. So I chose a midwife out in town because I wanted a hospital birth, but not by somebody in a military uniform. (laughs) Um, So it was just, yeah, normal, basically, midwife care, but at a clinic, at a hospital, a regular routine service. So how was your pregnancy? Did you have any morning sickness or any issues? Yeah, my, my aversion was coffee, which was really disappointing because that was like always something I looked forward to. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, aversions to coffee. I really loved like lemon or citrus, anything which carried on through the rest of my pregnancies. In fact, Um, definitely some morning sickness my best friend lived three hours away. Um, and so she would come up, she was actually there for the first prenatal appointment where we got to see my baby on the screen and we were both just like crying and so excited, so happy, so sad that my husband wasn't there with me. Um, but yeah, it was a really, it was an, I don't want to say easy pregnancy, but it was like a normal pregnancy, all the ups and downs. Um, at the end I did get diagnosed with preeclampsia, um, with, uh, high blood pressure. I never had diabetes, thankfully, or, you know, hyperglycemia. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a good pregnancy. So then with the preeclampsia, did you end up having to have an induction or what did that look like? I did at 37 weeks. I went to, um, into my midwife's office and Brian was at work and she, had been monitoring me um, pretty regularly because of it. But I went in and, and she said, you know, your numbers are a little high. Um, you've got some protein in your urine. I think we're going to induce. And in my head, I'm like, you know, okay, like a week or so, I'll get to go home and like relax. And like, we'll, we'll get a plan in place now that I know it's going to come early. And she's like, so do you need to like run home and grab a bag? Or do you just want to head to the hospital? <laughs> I was like, wait, you mean like today? She's like, yeah, like right now, mm-hmm. um, you know, go yeah. ahead. And I was like, Oh my God, no, what? And then I it, it freaked out, you know, that I'm like, no, I, I don't want to have a baby. I'm not ready to have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> but I called Brian Aww. at work and said, uh, can you come home? We're going to have this baby now. Um, there was like a funny story though. There was a bit of a mix up. She had told me to, to go home and get my stuff. And I thought she had said, to go in at like four and so Brian and I stopped for lunch on the way to the hospital and the hospital called me uh on on when we were at lunch and um 
and they were like, are you still planning on coming in for, for your induction? And I was like, oh, yeah, we, we stopped for lunch. I'm supposed to be there at four. And they were like, oh, no, we had you down for whatever time it was, like two. And I was like, oh, OK, well, we're late. We're late for our own induction. That sounds about right. We'll be right there. So we're like late to have our baby, which was very like on brand for us. That sounds like something I would do. Yeah. (laughs) How to get those those French fries and burgers, you know? (laughs) Yeah, right? Need that that stamina for for labor. (laughs) Uh, So how did the induction go? What type of um, induction did they they perform? Um, I don't know the answer to that. It was just normal. (laughs) They gave me Pitocin. It was, uh, you know, it was a long labor and delivery um, I think I was in labor for like 27 hours or something, even with the induction. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it took a long time. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's pretty common for most first time moms are going to have a long labor. And if, you know, obviously you had to be induced because of the medical situation yeah. with the preeclampsia and everything, but, um, but yeah, it's, it, your body still isn't technically ready, yeah. you know, for your baby to come, even if it had to happen. Yeah. So how did it, how did your delivery go? It was great. We had had, um, I don't know if she was like an intern or a midwife intern. Um, but this girl who had like been seeing us with my midwife at, um, like all of our appointments, she was on call that day. Um, and so she got to be in the room and then, you know, when I was like ready to push, my midwife was like, do you mind if she assists? And I was like, yeah, go for it. And so she like actually got to deliver mm-hmm. the baby, which was really cool. I think for everyone, that was like the first baby she ever got to deliver. Aww, and we had formed cool. this special bond. Um, my, it was my daughter, Isabel. Um, she was actually born with a, I don't remember if it was a bladder infection or a urinary tract infection. She was born with something wrong with her um her ureter hadn't grown into her kidney all the way so long story short she had to go into the ICU or the NICU for um like 10 days and she had really bad jaundice um and so we spent like 10 days in the NICU with her um and the the intern the woman that had actually delivered the baby um or had helped deliver the baby she kept coming to check on us which was just really sweet and and Mm. supportive and nice and it was a really scary time as first time parents now not sure what was going on we had a doctor um tell us like all these things that could be wrong and um it was just really scary but thankfully it was it was nothing and she's fine (laughs) yeah yeah, I love that when you have that kind of support because yeah. it's not, you don't always get that in the hospital system, but like, you know, when you do get it, it's like gold. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so good. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So how was your postpartum and your healing and um, like your mental state and what type of feeding did you choose? Yeah, I think it was fine. <laughs> I mean, everyone <laughs> is, everyone is different. I didn't really like take the time to read about like postpartum depression or like anything that could or would or might potentially happen. So Mm -hmm. I bounced back pretty quickly and just felt like, okay, I'm a mom now. Like things are just different. They look different. They feel different. Um, My emotions are all over the place, but that's part of it. 
Um, I tried to breastfeed, but because she was in the NICU, um, I couldn't. Like, I tried. Yeah. I tried pumping. I tried doing this, but we couldn't really even take her out of the um, the billy bed, like, from under the lights. Like, we could hold her just a few minutes a day those first 10 days. Um mm-hmm. So it it just didn't work. And it was fine. Like, I, I'm not really someone that, you know, had, like, a birth plan or has, like, all these plans in place. I'm just kind of a go-with-the-flow person, like, to see what happens and mm-hmm. make our decisions from there. So that wasn't, like, disheartening or anything. It was like, well, my baby's still going to get food just from formula in a bottle, and that's fine, yeah. too. She'll be happy and healthy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So do you have anything else from that first um, story that you want to share? Or do you want to move on to your second? Yeah, we can move on. Okay. So how long after your first baby did the second one come? He was born 22 months later. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. So was your husband, did he get to be around for this pregnancy? He got to be around for a lot of it, most, more of it than he was for Izzy. Um, but still just the nature of his work, he was gone, um, probably one to two weeks of every month through that Mm -hmm. pregnancy. And I think he had like a couple month deployment in there as well. Um, but, but better than Izzy, like he was there more than he was with it. So that was nice. Yeah. Yeah, that must have felt strange for him to, like, come home and then you're only pregnant for a couple months. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder if the next pregnancy felt long. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Uh, It was cute, though, because, like, on the submarine, you know, all those guys, they have their own family structure out there. And so for him to be able to, like, tell everyone that his wife just found out she's pregnant and, like, they were all telling him, you know, like what to expect and giving him like book recommendations Aww. and like, Oh, I love that. It was really <laughs> cute. He came home with like all these like eBooks and fun facts. And I was just like, I'm not doing that. He's like, no, really you put, <laughs> put ice packs on your nipples when you're going to breastfeed and else. I'm like, Oh my God, can you please stop? This? <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, that's um, so cute. It was really, it. really cute. And then of course, you know, the biggest thing was like, the guy said, I have to sell our boat. And we're, we're not going to be able to sail anymore because we have kids and we won't be able to travel. And I was like, Oh my God, they obviously like don't know me or you. If they're telling you that, <laughs> like, there's no way we're going to change our lifestyle just because we had a baby. Like we're going to bring our baby into things that we do. Mm, um, and yeah. yeah, everyone was like, okay, you say that. Sure. <laughs> but we did. And it's been like pretty awesome to kind of get to prove everybody wrong in that, yeah. that regard. Yeah. I know you can for sure still be adventurous with kids. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think it's probably just like quote unquote easier to just kind of settle into a life but no, you, if that's your personality and the lifestyle you want to live, live, like it's totally doable. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. You find ways yeah. to make it work. Yeah. So, um, for your pre- second pregnancy, did you choose the same exact care yeah. as your first one? I yeah. did. Same lady, same place. Thankfully we were still in Gig Harbor, Washington, still stationed in the same place. Um, it was pretty identical actually to my first pregnancy like everything kind of was <laughs> the same um even like at 37 weeks her you know preeclampsia 
gestational hypertension again. Um, and so mm. I was induced with him as well. Yeah. So was the induction the same? Did it just go smoothly? Was it um, faster this time or was it a long process again? It felt still really long, but it was faster. It was kind of funny. We got to the hospital for that one and we had been late to our first one. And then this with my son, we got there and they kind of forgot about us. We like sat in this room they put us in, in the room and they're like, okay, you know, someone will be in to see you and get you checked in. And we sat there for like an hour and a half just talking and <laughs> hanging out. And then mm-hmm. finally we were like, someone should probably have been in here by now, right? And so Brian went to check on them and they were like, oh my gosh, we're so sorry. And we we're just, oh, we were just hanging out. <laughs> they finally came in and got me hooked up. And I want to say he was born, I don't remember at this point, probably Within a day. It was like 24 hours, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. Sim- very similar. His was more painful. I was throwing up while while in labor with him. Um, I still had an epidural, but it was just really, really painful. Mm. So with the epidural, you could still feel a yeah. lot. And, yeah. So when it comes to, um, like, pushing, did were you able to, like, feel when you needed to push or did you have any urges or oh yeah with both you, of them yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. which good yeah the the like actual delivery part with both of them went very fast like you know Izzy's was probably 10 minutes and Hudson's was like maybe five minutes like a few pushes and mm-hmm. he was out which was wow. nice because I was working with the pain to be like I don't want to feel this anymore <laughs> get this baby mm-hmm. out of me yeah yeah, that's nice when you're able to able to um, work with your body. Yeah, you know that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah, that's <laughs> what it's designed for. So, how is your um, recovery with that second birth? Yeah, it was great. It was very similar to Izzy, just um, kind of the same. I decided to bottle feed him as well, um, or formula feed him as well, <clears throat> and a quick ish recovery. Yeah good yeah it's nice when you don't have lingering issues <laughs> yeah no <laughs> for sure really common yeah definitely and like you know I don't know I kind of always had this like just I don't want to say grin and bear it spirit but like understanding that there's circumstances out of your control but you still have mm-hmm. responsibilities and things to do and with my husband in the military and him being gone so much, like I didn't really have the option to like feel, not feel my emotions, but you know, like linger with them. It was more like, well, I have two babies I have to take care of. And my husband's in the middle of the ocean somewhere. So, you know, I just mm-hmm. kind of have to figure this out at this point. Yeah. Did you feel like you had a lot of um, support, like, in your community or did you have family like to help you or what did you just kind of, were you on your own? Um, we didn't live near family at all. Um, but I did have a couple close friends that lived near me and one of them actually had had a baby. Another military spouse had had a baby right around the same time. So we kind of banded together and spent a lot of time together, but I also worked full time through all of this also. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I had, the responsibilities and kind of luxury, honestly, of stepping away for eight hours a day to work. Um, and then, you know, being able to be a mom after that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. 
So, do you have anything else from that second story, or do you want to move on to the next one? Yeah, we can move on. He's cool. Like, my son's one of my one of my three favorite humans on the planet. <laughs> I think that's like, that's boys. Like yeah. my 17 month old or 18 month old little boy is just like the love of my life. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, he just stole my heart. Yes. He's such like a mama's <sighs> boy. He's always like just winking at me from across the room. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Husband. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. He just loves his <sighs> mama. It's so cute. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's something about boys. For sure. <laughs> mm, so moving on to your next story. Yeah. Um, you can just start wherever you want to start. Yeah. So um, after Hudson was born, he was born in 2016. Um, in 2017, uh, Brian got noticed that our family would be moving to Hawaii. Um for his job at the military. So we kind of started preparing to um, move our family over to Hawaii. And in that preparations, I got pregnant again. Um, So we were very excited. Um, Like, you know, kind of already planning like, okay, this will be our third and final baby. Um, The three is a lot of kids. Um, And we got to kind of go through all the same process with our same midwife, all of that. We got to see the baby, see the heartbeat, um, start planning. And then around 10 weeks, um, I unfortunately suffered a miscarriage, um, which was devastating beyond belief. Like I was not prepared for how sad I was going to be with that miscarriage. Um, Mm -hmm. Through each pregnancy, you're always like, oh, I could miscarry. Like, it's always kind of in the back of your head. You know, you you go to the bathroom and you're, like, looking for blood. Like, oh, no, you know, just in case, you're always a little worried. But it's never, for me, it was never, like, it could happen, especially after two successful pregnancies. I It was not an option, but it happened. Um, I ended up having to have a DNC, which was very traumatic. Um and it was just a really, really, really hard time. Um, yeah. So we yeah. had that miscarriage. Um, we moved to Hawaii a few months later. Um, my husband actually sailed our sailboat to Hawaii from Washington, which was, like, really fun and cool and exciting. Mm-hmm. Um We got to Hawaii. We got settled Um, in October of that same year. I got pregnant again, um, which was also exciting. Um, But one month later, I had another miscarriage. Hmm. And at that point, I was like, oh, we're never going to have another baby. Like, what's what's wrong with my body? What's going on? Like, we just had two babies. How have we now had two miscarriages? So I started to go to a fertility doctor and they were basically like, you know, we can run some tests, but really until you've had three miscarriages, we don't really look into this. Um, I was like 33 at the time also. And they're like, you know, you're, you're kind of getting up there. Um, (laughs) Or maybe I was 34. I don't remember, but um, no, 33. So anyways, they, they um, were like, you know, keep trying, like you're healthy we don't see anything, you know, in your blood. We don't see anything that would would definitely be causing this. So, you know, it could be circumstantial. 
Um, just keep trying. And sure enough, the next month in December, uh, Christmas Eve, like our family tradition is to go um, drive around and like look at Christmas lights and uh, make cookies as a family. And so our first Christmas Eve in Hawaii, we did that. But while we were driving, um, I was like, oh, I don't feel very good. You know, can we head home a little early? And and so Brian like drove us home and I went to sleep and woke up Christmas morning and we did like all the presents in the morning. And while we were opening presents, I was still like really nauseous. And I was like, I don't I think I have the flu or something like I don't feel good. And he's like, you know, go upstairs and lay down. And his thing was like, he always made grilled cheese sandwiches and top ramen for me when I didn't feel good. And so mm-hmm. he like made that, brought it upstairs, to, like check on me. Um, and, you know, he's like, I'll come check on you in a little bit longer and, and I'll be down with the kids. And so he like went downstairs and I was like laying there and with both Izzy and Hudson, I had had like, I'm sure it was the flu or something right when I found out I was pregnant with them. It wasn't morning sickness um, because it only lasted a few days, but it was like the flu. And I didn't have that with either of my miscarriages when I found out I was pregnant with them, but I, I was like not feeling good at all on Christmas morning. And so I was like, you know, there's no way I'm pregnant. Like I just had a miscarriage last month. Um, but I was like, just, just for fun, I'm going to just take a test and see. And so Christmas morning I went and I had one test left over from the two months prior when I had tested and sure enough, I was pregnant (laughs) and I like Mm. could not believe it. And Brian came upstairs to check on me again and got in bed with me. And I was like, I forgot I have one more Christmas present for you. And I like rolled over and got the pregnancy test and showed him. And he was just like, are you serious? Oh my God. Like he was excited, but you know, also both of us were like nervous. Like we didn't want to get too excited because this could end in miscarriage as well. And then we would be Mm -hmm. devastated all over again. Um, So inside though, I was like, I know the way that my body feels right now, I feel like this one's going to stick. Like I have the flu. That's a good sign from Izzy and Hudson's being pregnant with them. Um, I feel like this one's going to stick. And so the next few months it stuck and we found out um, we went to Japan uh, for vacation. Ryan had to work, but I took the kids with us and we found out the morning we left that we were having a girl and um, that was in February and then March and April. We kind of started thinking about names and we settled on the name Adeline Mackay um and we were just really really excited um and then may uh my husband was uh taking a scuba diving class not for work but it was um it was on a rebreather machine which is like what the navy seals use they're very technical pieces of scuba diving equipment um and he left the house to go to his final class for this and unfortunately, he died on that dive. Mm. So May 20th, 2018, uh, I was six months pregnant with Adeline. And Izzy and Hudson were at home with me. Um, we were going to get like our stuff ready to go to Target that morning, get all our baby stuff that we needed for her. And I got a phone call. Um, I almost didn't even answer it, but... Um, this is something I actually write about in one of my books is, is as a military spouse, 
if your spouse is in a potentially dangerous situation, so deployed or traveling or out to sea or anything and an unknown number calls you, it's always this like instant moment moment of panic. Like, could somebody be calling to tell me my, my spouse got injured or in trouble? And so for whatever reason, I saw this number, you know, my immediate thought was like, this is probably a sales call or a telemarketer. And I almost didn't answer it. But then I was like, well, Brian, Brian's out right now. He's in the water, like just in case I'm going to answer it. And I answered it. Um, and it was the manager of the scuba diving shop. And he was calling to tell me that there had been an accident uh, on the dive boat. And Brian was in the hospital. And so I panicked, obviously. Um, they came and picked me up. We raced through the streets of Honolulu with Izzy and Hudson, who were one and three um, in the car. And I raced across the parking lot of the hospital, with my six month pregnant belly. Uh, and unfortunately found out that he did not make it and he had drowned. Mm. Wow. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And I cannot imagine. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's been four years. And honestly, like there's some days that I can't imagine, like I can't, I hear myself tell this story and I'm like, surely I'm talking about somebody else. Like this is not mm. my life or my story or my kids' experience, like, I'm literally at my desk in my bedroom looking at a picture of Brian right now, like, that was four years ago, but it still feels like he's my husband, and he's here, and surely all those experiences that I went through were, like, a dream, or not, not part of my actual story. Yeah, wow. Whew, man, that's... I don't even really know what to say. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Thank you. So how was it then, I mean, navigating that crazy, you know, that's just a tragedy, you know, yeah. to have to, you know, deal with that and then the grief from that and yeah. then, you know, you're carrying a baby and like how, where did you even begin to be able to function and like, yeah. you know process all of that um I don't know <laughs> if I'm really mm. honest like a lot of of those first days weeks months are a blur um mm -hmm. I know um I know that the last my last thought was I could care less about this baby inside of me I don't know her mm -hmm. I don't I don't want her I want to I just want Brian back. Like, I don't care about anything else. I want Brian back. Um, I don't care about my body. I don't care about myself. Like, I have two young kids. Like, I have to go tell them their dad died. Like, that's not real life. Like, who has to do that? Um, mm. This baby I'm carrying will never even get to meet her dad. That's going to be her life story. Like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to have this baby. I don't want to live this life without him. I don't, I just don't want to. Those are like, mm -hmm. honestly, my first memories of this event. Um, and so I struggled with that for a long time. Like, it's embarrassing to admit. It's like so complicated to admit. There's like so many, uh, you know, emotions and things at play. But, you know, it's, it's just kind of complicated and crazy to comprehend. Like, being pregnant and suicidal like the happiest one of the happiest moments of your life you don't want to happen because the saddest 
experience of your life, you're going through it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it was, it was just terrible. I remember um, like I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't drink. Like I, I just really just didn't want to exist. And um, the, the military was obviously in my house with me through all of this. They assigned somebody to me to kind of walk through like how to plan a funeral and um, what I needed to do. And could I even live in our house? We lived on base. Like, could I live in this house that we've been living in? Do I still have health insurance? Um, you know, all of these questions that other people were asking me that I didn't know the answer to. There was someone from the military there to help guide me through this, thankfully. Um, mm. But at one point, his, Brian's mom and sister, his whole family flew out, my whole family flew out. And, um, you know, they were kind of, urging me, nudging me, like, you need to go to your doctor, like, we need to check on this baby. Um, And I begrudgingly went. And I remember, you know, the doctor walked in, and she had heard, like, my sister in law and mother in law had called and explained what had had happened. And the doctor walked in, and she was just crying. And I was just like, Oh, my God, (laughs) my doctor's crying. Like, Oh, my God, she just Mm. gave me this giant hug. And she was just like, you know, I'm so sorry. Like, I remember, um, you know, getting to confirm this pregnancy and just how excited you guys have been. And, um, you know, just like all these things that I didn't, like, I know, I know, I, I know how excited we've been. Like, I want Brian here with me right now. And, and her like asking, you know, do you, do you want me to do an ultrasound so you can see her and just being like, I don't, I don't want to see her. Like, I don't want her to exist. Um, because that means like, now I have to have a baby without him here. And I have to have, to raise a baby without him here and I have to like relive all of this trauma now through this baby um and it was just so much and uh yeah yeah very complicated Mm. yeah yeah I can imagine like yeah just I I mean I, I can't but like yeah thank you for like being so real and raw about that because I'm sure that I mean, I don't know if it's like would be super common, but like, I, I just think all of that is like normal and valid, like because you are going through those deep, deep valleys of grief and just not like not even really being able to function. So I can imagine yeah. that those thoughts, you know, would come and your, those feelings, you'd feel that way. Like, yeah, it just, yeah, it's crazy. So yeah, crazy. but yeah, thank you for, for sharing that because, um, it's real, you know, that's your story and yeah, you know, hopefully, you know, if, if someone else has a similar situation, that might be their story too. And if, you know, I know it's easy to probably deal with like guilt and stuff for feeling things like that, but mm-hmm. you can't, you can't like feel guilty for things that you feel or think or say or do when yeah. you're in a situation like that. Like you're just not, it's not you, you know, it's not your normal. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. But in the moment you don't have like rational thought, you know, like you don't have Mm -hmm. like, I recognize that this is the grief or this is circumstantial or this is the scenario Mm -hmm. or situation I'm in, but it's so compounding. You know, I, I feel this way 
And then I feel guilty that I feel this way. Like what kind of mom wants yeah. to die when she's <sighs> pregnant? Like that's not okay. That's not normal. That's not like mm-hmm. acceptable. And then it's just this like snowball of like, well, now I feel even worse because I have this guilt because I feel this way. Um, and it was just a really, really, really hard, dark time. I, I, there were many moments I did not think that I would make that through. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So how did you, I guess, navigate through the rest of that, like after that appointment and then having to plan a funeral and go through all of that and then continue on, on your journey of towards birth and, and all of that? Yeah, I just honestly, I took it like breath by breath, if I'm really honest, Mm -hmm. like there, um, there was like a night so I, I ended up moving off the island. They they basically said, you know, you're you're in bad shape. Um, you your body is shutting down. Your you know elevated enzymes in your kidney and your liver. You have gestational hypertension again. You've got preeclampsia. You have gestational diabetes. Um, so basically, we're going to give you until 30 weeks to either move off the island or decide to stay. Cause we're not going to let you fly after 30 weeks. Um, and I was like 26 weeks, I think when he passed away. Um, and so within that month's time, I had a month to decide if I was going to move off the Island or if I was going to stay. And the thought of like bringing a baby home to the house that we had shared and had so many beautiful memories in and images of like laughter and family and laying on the couch and, all of these things, like I could not fathom having her sleep in the corner of our room that we had shared and that he wasn't ever going to come home to. So I made the decision to move off the island. um, And we ended up moving to Boise, Idaho, which is uh, where Brian's sister lives. And uh, we moved in with his sister and it was me and, and Hudson and Izzy. So ages one and three, myself, my pregnant belly, my dog moved into their four bedroom house with her and her husband and their two kids and their two dogs. And it was just chaos. It was, it was, uh, it was chaos. They like did everything for us to make us comfortable, but it was so many people in the darkest times of their life in a tiny space. And, um, there was just a lot of like as much support and love and encouragement as I had and the kids had, it was, just not good (laughs) um but yeah I mean every day like you know I write in in this last book that I that's coming out this next month I write about like a night that I hold this bottle of sleeping pills in my hand and I'm just like I could like take us out like I could Nikki could take care of my two kids like they're young enough they'll be okay Um, you know, I could just take me and this baby out of the equation and then like, no one has to like deal with this and I don't have to deal with this. Like I didn't want to die. I just didn't want to live in this type of pain. Um, but I didn't, you know, that night and then the next day, you know, the same thoughts and then I didn't that day. And so it just kind of was like an every day, like, okay, am I going to make it through today? Okay. I made it through today. And then it kind of became like, well, what am I going to do today you know I'm going to take a shower today okay that's my big goal for today is to take a shower tomorrow I'm going to walk to the mailbox that's like a stretch goal like 
maybe I'll make it to the mailbox. And then, you know, it just kind of became like, okay, well, now my goal is to have this baby, I'm going to have this baby. Um, and so I ended up, you know, she was born five weeks early, um, because my body really shut down. And I think everyone kind of knew, like, this is <laughs> dire circumstances, we needed to get the baby out. Um, mm-hmm. And so she, I ended up being induced at 35 weeks uh, in Boise. But yeah, we, we made it. And then, you know, it kind of started this whole grief journey over again when she was born, because that was like the last tie um, really to the whole scenario of like, oh, no, this is actually real. Like this happened. He wasn't here for this birth. Um, and it was a very complicated delivery, too. I had two failed epidurals. Um, I thought I was going to die in the hospital. Uh, it was kind of a mess, but we made it, um, four years later. She she just turned four in July. Um, and we've made it and it's, you know, honestly still like she's four years old and it's still like a, I don't want to say it's day by day process, but you know, we're still in this like journey of grief. We're not through it by Mm -hmm. any means. No. So kind of um, backtracking to your actual birth story. Um, So, you know, obviously you said it was an induction, so that's hard. And then you had the two failed epidurals. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, like the whole process, like how was that, you know, having to go through a labor and having a baby, like just in that state that you were in, like that actual, like, you know, the whole, like in the, the moment of it, like, how did you even like feel or get through that? Like, you know, I don't know yeah. if you understand what I'm at. I don't even know if I understand what I'm asking. Just like the actual like birth, you know, like I read a little bit of your story in the, um, article you sent. So if, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's just a little bit more that you could share about that. Yeah. It just, it kind of felt like an out of body experience, honestly. Like I, I went in, they were doing, um, like checks every three days, I think. Um, and so I went into the hospital one night for the check, like a blood pressure check and a, um, like a baby monitoring check and, uh, uh, I don't remember kidney or liver check. And I came back with elevated numbers, like way too high. And my blood pressure was like off the charts. And so they, they were like, well, you're not going to go home. We're going to keep you here. Um, until basically until you start, your body starts to fail. Like you have preeclampsia now, we're going to keep you here until we see signs of potential eclampsia or something else happens. And then we will induce you, but we really want to get you to 35 weeks because if we deliver before 35 weeks, then she has to go to the NICU and you've been through enough. We don't want her to have to go to the NICU. So if we can get you to 35 Mm -hmm. weeks, then it's not guaranteed NICU time and we'll see how she's doing. So, um, I went in that night. Um, they kept me at the hospital. I stayed overnight there. And then the next day the doctor came in and, uh, my sister-in-law was there with me and he was kind of explaining, you know, like, you know, you, you'll feel this, you might feel this, like, um, this is kind of what we're expecting to see. If at any point, um, you start to, you know, list, he listed off, the things that I might feel or see or do um, that they would want to be notified about. And so um, I had kind of juggled with the idea of having a birth photographer or not knowing like, 
this is the last baby I'll ever have, you know, as traumatic as this is, as, I, as much as I like, don't want to capture this experience, because it's terrible and traumatic, like, in the back of my head, I was also like, this is the last baby I'll ever have, like, I only have one shot to have these birth photos, like, I could at least have them and then not ever look at them if I don't want to see them. And so um, I found this woman, or I think my sister-in-law helped find her. And she came in and met us in the hospital and kind of explained like my situation and, um, you know, what I was going through. And when she left, I was like laying back in the bed talking to Nikki. And I like sat up and all of a sudden, like my vision was gone. Like I couldn't see anything. And I was like, closed my eyes and open them again and I was like what in the world and I closed them again and I was like Nikki I like reached out for Nikki and I was like Nikki I can't see anything and she's like what and I was like Nikki I can't see anything and like just my vision was gone and um like my my ring my ears started kind of ringing and I kind of started to spin and she was like I'm calling the doctor and so they called the nurse in and the nurse came in and was like, this is what we were kind of waiting for. We kind of knew this was going to happen. We're going to call the doctor. So she called the doctor and he basically said, oh, this is it. You need to get that baby out of her. And so um, they like put me in the labor and delivery room and um, literally waited until midnight. That was at like, I don't know, eight or nine at night. They started magnesium. Um, then started Pitocin and I delivered her on day on 35 weeks <laughs> mm. yeah that's nice they were kind of able to I mean obviously it was a very serious situation but yeah nice they were able to kind of hold it off those couple hours so that yes. you didn't have to 100 percent. they were very <laughs> very very kind and sweet to me it was mm. a good experience outside of the bad experience behind it mm-hmm. yeah and you had um your sister-in-law there to yeah. kind of support you through that. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. It's a blessing to have that. <laughs> yes. And obviously she's grieving as well, you know, losing yeah. her brother, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh. So yeah. then how was um, after, after the birth, like actually holding this baby <laughs> and, you know, having to bring this baby home that you had all of those conflicting yeah. um, thoughts and emotions about what was that like for you? Yeah, it was um, about as complicated as you would probably expect it to be. Mm-hmm. It was um, uh, it was beautiful because I I felt so tied to her. Like I just kept telling her, like this is you and me. Like we're in this together. We we have just been through mm-hmm. hell and back, and it's you and me, kid. Like. I decided I'm going to be here for you. Like that means I'm going to be here for you till the end. Like you're, this is it forever. Um, but then it was also like, this is brutally hard. Like I was already sleep deprived because of my grief. And then because of, you know, being pregnant, you already don't sleep well. And now I went into giving birth just completely physically, emotionally, psychologically exhausted. And now I have a newborn and I was up, you know, every two hours trying to feed her and take care of her. And my other kids were still one in three and they needed a lot of attention too, because of what they had just gone through. And, um, you know, I was living in like this corner bedroom of my sister-in-law's house. We didn't even have our own space. Um, it was, 
exhausting. It was terrible. And then, you know, it was my birthday five days later. And that was the first birthday I'd gone through without Brian. Um, And I got in a huge fight with my mom. She was like mad at me because I didn't know how much Addie weighed when she was born or she was mad about more than that. But it was like, then I had all this family conflict and that just added to like my (laughs) terrible mental state. It was a very, very, very hard, rough few months. Wow. <sighs> and you made it through. Made it <laughs> through. through. Today. Wow. Yeah. You live to tell about it. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You, you are amazing. You're so strong and that, what a story. I, yeah. Yeah. Like that's your life. <laughs> I know. I wow. know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow, man. I'm just kind of at a loss for words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like I said, it's been four years and I, I've, I've kind of taken like this approach of appreciating how short life is and Mm. it takes loss of that magnitude to really understand the brevity of life and of relationships and of moments are what you make them. Um, And so, you know, about six months after Addie was born, maybe not even six, I wasn't even six months, maybe two months after Addie was born. um, And I decided like, okay, we're, this is it. This is our family unit now. It's me and these kids and we've got to figure this out. Um, I decided I didn't want to live in Boise. So we, we bought a house, um, just outside Portland and moved here. Um, and I decided that travel had always been a part of my life. It had always been a part of Brian's life and our family life before Addie was born. And, um, that was going to be something that was going to help me through this. And so, I started planning um, this really just like, I I called it like my no bucket list trip. Like we weren't going to have a bucket list because any of us could die or get sick at any time. And so instead we were just going to make a plan and we were going to go do our plan. And so I planned this um, two month long trip through eight countries of Europe with the kids. And we left uh, on that trip almost a year after Brian passed away. Um, and so we spent eight weeks traveling, uh, Addie wasn't even a year yet. Um, and the other kids were, I think they turned three and five on that trip. Um, and we just spent those two months just traveling and making new memories together and honoring Brian and the ocean and, um, just really making the most of our, our time and our moments and our memories together. Hmm. Yeah. And I, that's a beautiful message to be able to then carry and share with others that, yeah, you know, you experienced that and now this is how you choose to live and to be able to encourage people that, you know, that's how they should live too, because, you know, you just never know what tomorrow is going to bring or even the next second is going to bring. Yeah, exactly. And to, to just live in the moment and, and never, you know, we're not promised tomorrow. So yeah. We have to do what we can right now. That's right. So that's what what the beauty is that comes through all of this is you've been able to then shift your mindset and go on to carry that message to others. Yeah, and and writing has been a huge outlet for me. You know, I get a lot of people like ask, you know, like how, like you did, how do you even get through something like that? 
And, you know, the, mm-hmm. the first answer is I don't know, honestly, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, the second answer is like, for me, it was, I needed an outlet to get this out. And so I started just journaling and writing and taking everything that I was thinking and feeling inside and putting it on paper or on my computer screen. I started a blog um, and then people started really gravitating to it because like you said, like I was writing from this really raw, vulnerable, honest space and just, I had nothing to lose. Like I had nothing to lose by being as honest and transparent as possible um, because it felt good for me to get it out and somehow that's now turned into two books. I write about all of these experiences and, you know, the ins and outs of all of them in these two books. And they've been, well, one book already came out in 2020. And then this next book comes out next month. Um, And it's been really cool to see so many people like connect with different parts of it, like the travel part or the suicidal part or the family part or the adventure part or the sailing part or the scuba diving parts or the family parts. Like, there's just this is my life but it's really special to see people read these books and connect with parts of it to their own life and being willing to like talk with me about it and share their own experiences Mm. yeah so if um people want to find your books where what are they called and where can they find them yeah the first one is called always coming back home Um, And this one that's coming out next month is called The Ocean is Calling. Um, And they're on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Um, You can purchase them, like signed copies from me on my website, ashleybuggy.com. I don't know if you'll post a link Um, when you post this interview, but that'd be awesome. Um, And then I'm on Instagram also as ashley.buggy. All right. And if somebody... God forbid, is going through a similar situation as you. Um, are you open to um, people contacting you, um, being there to kind of support other women maybe that have gone through something similar? Is that something that you're open to talking to people about? Oh, yeah. I love connecting with people. Like the fact that I have been through this and lived through this, like I know the from my own experience, I can't say what everyone else is feeling, but I know the deep dark place that I was at and how I felt like nobody on earth would understand what it is that I was feeling at that point. And it's true. Like Mm -hmm. everyone's journey and circumstances are different, but I can relate to that feeling of despair and, um, being scared and all of these. So hundred percent, if anyone is, um, willing and able and wanting to communicate absolutely please reach out okay and they can just reach to reach out in the avenues you just mentioned yeah it's fine yeah okay awesome well thank you for sharing all of that yeah um do you have anything else that you want to share do you feel like you covered everything i mean the there's like a couple things so my my kids and i also co-wrote a book called Ahui Ho Until We Meet Again. Um, And it's about kids and their journey through loss. Um, Mm. And I think it's been, it's been pretty successful these last few years because of these crazy times we've been going through. A lot of people have experienced loss, if not, you know, physical loss of a parent or a loved one, you know, loss of a job or 
or a home or well-being. Um, there's just been a lot of loss. And so mm-hmm. this book is a really beautiful tool uh, for kids who have experienced loss, specifically of a loved one, but talking through the sights and sounds and feelings and ups and downs from a kid's perspective, um, because it is my own kid's ex- perspective and what they lived through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's out there as well. It's called a hooey ho until we meet again. Um, and then I also um, am currently partnered with a company called Zoe, um, who develops children's books um, in social and emotional learning. And so we have this app that's going to be launching at the end of September. Um, and we are catering to families and educators who um, want to develop social and emotional skills in kids. So we have a storybook pretty much for any um, anything a child might be experiencing right now from ages two through eight. So childhood anxiety or living in two homes or um, fear or first day of school. There's a book and then there's also um, a part of our app where we, we team up with a children's psychologist and we work through like how kids are feeling and why they're feeling this way and what we as parents can do to help with those those needs and how we can support our kids and really develop and nurture um, well-rounded kids. So that's like an invaluable tool for myself as a parent and for other parents out there. And I just want to spread that as far and wide as possible because kids Mm -hmm. need our support and encouragement and love. Um, And that's an app called Meet Zoe. Cool. Cool. Thank you for sharing that as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stories and just your realness and, you know, just the, yeah, the, the truth of what you went through and being really raw with it. I really appreciate that. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm honored that you took the time to come and share. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me and, and for everyone listening, you know, taking the time to listen to my story and, um, you know, finding, finding hopefully a light at the end of the tunnel. Like there's something out there for all of us. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you were encouraged in some way through this story. As a reminder, please rate and review our podcast and you can connect with us on social media at birth journeys podcast for more information or to share your own story. Please visit birthjourneyspodcast.com and fill out the brief questionnaire. See you next time.